welcome to Bovine Banter with the Penn State Extension Dairy Team. I'm Carly Becker, and I'm a dairy educator based in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Joining us today is Jude Hess from Cheese Goatees. Thank you for your time, Jude. Could you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and your dairy operation? Okay, very good. I'm Jude Hess from uh, Cheese Goatees. We have a goat dairy with an on-farm cheese plant, uh, milking goats about 2015, the spring of 2015 is when we started uh, We had, and started making cheese then as well. Currently, we're milking uh, 35 goats. We've been milking as high as 80, about 82 is the highest that we've milked. Currently, we're turning all of our milk into cheese and we sell it at farmer's markets, a few local stores, and then we have a wholesale account that takes it or a wholesale wholesaler takes it to restaurants. The farmer's markets that we're, uh, we do are in the D.C., Washington, D.C. area. And currently, we're, uh, all of our milk goes into cheese. And it's just myself, my wife, and our children doing the work. Now we do have some help doing our farmer's markets. All the main cheese we do is the soft cheese, uh, chevs, and then flavored chevs. We do a feta and a farmer's uh, farmhouse-style cheese. So, yeah. That's as far as some of our background prior to starting our dairy. We had worked for another creamery, I'll say a mid-sized creamery, that processed organic cow milk. And they also did some goat milk as well, but they were primarily fluid milk, uh, butter, and ice cream. We didn't make any cheese there uh, on on that on site or on that creamery. That was kind of my experience behind. So I had some processing experience going into this. The main thing that got me started was I was interested in doing something with the farm or with the, on the ag side, but with our farm, it's not, it wasn't at all size for cows, so we didn't have near enough acreage to, to do anything with cows, dairy cows, so somehow we got on into, into the goats, and the biggest challenge with goats, if, uh, with marketing goat milk, there is some markets for it, but they can disappear, and if that market disappears, then you're kind of stuck to, as far as selling wholesale milk or wholesale fluid milk. And so then you're kind of stuck. So that's kind of what made us, get us got us onto the value-added uh, side of things, trying to control that, you know, versus relying on another creamery and dealing with the, the risk of that. So, yeah, I think that covered the first question. Yeah, thanks for that. And so was it your experience at the other creamery that really drove you all to start your own value-added dairy goat business? Or what exactly was that driving factor that made you want to start your own business? So I guess the driving factor is wanting to get involved with something with animals. That was uh, on, the, <clears throat> on the farming side. That would definitely be my bigger interest. And I guess I kind of got into it earlier, but a little bit with the uh, with the risk of, of um, you know, just selling milk. If we found a market and then something happens to it, well, there's not just a lot of processors processing goat milk at all. That's kind of tough to find. So wanted to remove that risk and just, you know, if we controlled that ourselves. So that's, that was the main, main drive as far as getting into value-added uh, processing and also being able to do it with on a smaller scale um, when you retail everything, yeah, not being able to milk less, less goats because we are, do have a limited basis of acres to work off of. Okay. That was probably the main driving factor to get into it. Yeah, and you mentioned that 
your market that you sell, your farmer's market is down in Washington, D.C. So how did you determine that market for your product and how has the market changed over the years since you've started your own value added business? I kind of forget what got me onto farmer's markets. The, the first year, I didn't start till the end of the first year with the market. And I what forget, year was that? Uh, 15, 2015. So like the December of 2015 was when I started doing farmers or well, a farmer's market in DC. And we're still doing that one. I cannot remember what actually got me on to, to doing that. As far as determining what the market was, you know, it's, we probably did that a little backwards. We just got started and then figured that out later. And that's, that's, uh, that definitely has a, uh, I mean, that's not the smartest way to do that, but, and we did have an outlet for our extra milk that we did not use. So that helped, that helped us balance it. So that left us use the milk that we needed and then we could sell the rest off. But yeah, with the farmer's market, like, again, I don't remember what there's, I think we talked to some produce farmers that do farmer's markets and that's what, connected us with the farmer's market. For, for our product, go down to Washington, D.C., there's a lot of farmer's markets, and it's very competitive to get into if, unless it's a product that's not represented there. And goat cheese is definitely not very well represented down there. So that's, they're wanting to broaden, have a, a broad spectrum of product at their markets. So that definitely made it easier to get into. Now, if I went down there with pr- produce, it would be very, very hard to get into the established markets that, that do well. And, uh, you know, that's another challenge because there is markets you can get into. But if you can get into a market real easy, there's probably a reason. And the reason is it's probably not very established and not, doesn't have a lot of sales. So that's, uh, yeah, so that, that's uh, as far as determining the market. Um, some of that would have came from, a, from work in the creamery I worked at before. There would have been... You know, I would have been exposed to it. No, there's a demand for for value added products, and yeah, so that's that's that probably would have been the where I would have gained a lot of that knowledge or that understanding, I guess, through working there. Have you always just sold cheese at that market, or did you all start also selling fluid milk or any other products, or how has the market changed over the years? Sure, sure. So, oil, cheese. We've never got into milk, fluid milk. We've had a raw milk license for Pennsylvania, and we've done some with that, not very much at all. But, of course, D.C., we're going across state lines, so any fluid milk we would take down there would be have to be grade A. Now, our facility, we could do grade A, but we don't have the equipment for bottling grade A milk. And uh, before I get into that, I do, we do we make goat milk soap as well. So we take... Soap and cheese are two uh, two products that we take. That's uh, from the farm here. But back to the fluid milk, we had looked at, we had considered getting into milk. Um, and actually, I do have a like a bottle filler that we've never used. Um, the biggest challenge with, with milk, well, the biggest challenge with goats in general is they're seasonal. They're very seasonal. They'll, they will dip down through the winter regardless. I mean, you can... You can try to manipulate that, and you can, to a certain extent, stagger your breeding, your breedings and such like, your kidding seasons. But you always have a low, lower period through the winter, and then a, a lot more milk in the spring and summer. So that is probably a big holdback for goats, just because it's hard for hard to balance that for for processors or whatever. That's a 
um, it's a challenge for large-scale commercial uh, goat dairies. But anyways, so that's what pushed us more into cheese because with the, the shelf-stable product so we can make it and store it and then sell it at a consistent pace year-round. We actually, we actually dry off completely for two months every year. So we're, we're a seasonal, seasonal herd. Rather than trying to fight the, the natural flow of goats, we just try to work with it more. And that works well for the most part. So that was also what steered us away from fluid milk because it's a little challenging to, you've got a market for it. Well, they don't like to, you know, they're not going to just quit buying fluid milk for two months out of the year. There's definitely no, you can't store that. Uh, you can't make that ahead. So that's, uh, that's what pushed us into cheese, made us decide to go into cheese versus anything with fluid milk. And there would be, there's still a, an option for it. And if we were looking to expand at all, that would probably be something we would look into. Yeah. So this kind of leads us into the next question. Can you talk about the timeline of how your business has developed over the years, including addition to your product line, additions to the facilities? I know you mentioned you started at the farmer's market in 2015, but did you do something else before then? So uh, before before that, well, we started milking. It was just, uh, we started, the first milk we had to process was the spring of 15. And that first summer, we were just doing some local stores, not a lot, and also just mainly uh, learning, you know, the how to make cheese, I guess, would be the kind of that first year. Then... As far as the timeline, so nothing major has changed. The number of goats we've milked has changed. Like I said, we had an outlet for our extra milk. Actually went into pet food, a company that turns it into pet food. And so a nice chunk of it was doing that. And let's see, then in 15, 16, 17, I guess it was, my wife's cousin came and started working with us. And up to that point, we were just doing the one farmer's market. And my wife's cousin started working with us, and we started doing a lot more farmer's markets. And let's see, last year was kind of our peak with the farmer's markets. We were up to like 22 in a week. <laughs> Every wow. week, that was, that was a top. Um, that was a little, that was too many, way too many. And we definitely were spinning our wheels at some of them as far as they weren't profitable enough to, to make it worth our time. Weren't losing money, but it wasn't. You know, if you're not making money, then why are you doing it type of deal? Now, that being said, a lot of the markets, you're just taking soap and cheese along. We could take two and three market setups in a minivan. So we were driving down. It's an hour and a half drive to D.C. to most of them. So we could drive down and set up two or three markets and then either take some help along or there's uh, we had some local people from down there that would come run a market for several hours. But that was a lot of. Yeah, a lot of uh, stress, I'll say. <laughs> um, a lot of work. It did well at it, but it wasn't, uh, yeah. And so it was just, it was too much to do. Well, then at the end of last year, my wife's cousin actually worked, he found another, went to work for another creamery. And we downsized. To, this year, we're only doing four markets every Saturday. And we're not doing any weekday markets. Now, last year, of course, with COVID, we weren't sure how that was going to work. The farmers markets. There was a couple weeks where they, there was one or so weeks where we didn't go at all. But it quickly opened back up. I mean, they quickly realized that we need to be there to get. I mean, people are want needing food, so 
we quickly uh, got going back. Now it changed. It looked different. They really restricted the flow into the markets. But overall, our sales were up just because the people, there was a lot less people there, but the people that were there were there to buy, not to browse. Mm-hmm. Um, now, our week, the Saturday markets were up. The weekday markets that we did last year were down. And the reason for that was a lot of those weekday markets were close to office buildings and things like that. And of course, everybody started working from home. And so completely, so our weekday markets, yeah, completely changed those. And for that reason, this year, we're not doing any weekday markets. We're only doing Saturday markets just because a lot of the workers still haven't came back full scale yet. And having less help, it's just, just, it's a lot easier to have one day going to market instead of multiple days driving down to the city as well as trying to do everything else. As far as the product line, it's been fairly, start out with just the soft cheese. Then we had Buffetta and the farmhouse. Nothing really drastically changed with that other than, you know, add new flavors of our chef, try to keep that fresh, I'll call it. Um, and then as far as the facilities, nothing other than some small, we kind of started out with a pasteurizer or basic equipment and, and everything else stayed to, you know, other than adding some various small pieces of equipment just to help streamline and make things more efficient, nothing has really changed. Now, we definitely have, on the goat side, we have, uh, we started out with pale milkers, and then we, uh, now we have uh, a pipeline and some things like that uh, that we've upgraded, and, and again, just to make it more efficient, more efficient, basically. As far as the facilities, we started, they, uh, we have a bank barn that we milk the goats in, and um, a hoop building that we, for our goats, uh, a canvas hoop building that we really like. But then our processing, we started, it's a uh, two refrigerated trailers that um, we converted. So we, they're setting on, uh, so the cooler's in one of them, and the, it's a, and the processing facility's in the other um, with doors between them. So they're 53 by, you know, full size uh, trailers, 53 by eight. So our total processing's the cooler space is about 16 feet wide by 53 feet long. So that's worked out well for us. It was, you know, the goal was to try to start on the cheaper side, which it definitely was cheaper than than uh, building a, 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 a facilities. But uh, like a lot of things, you think you're going to save a lot of money and you don't save quite as much as you think you're going to. We end up pouring concrete in the floor and different things like that, that to make it more workable. But yeah, no, that was uh, overall, we're happy with it. That sounds really innovative and cool. I would like to see that sometime. <laughs> sure. Um, so now we're kind of switching gears here with the next couple of questions. What regulatory agencies did you have to work with in order to get your value added business up and running? The Pennsylvania Department of Ag is the, um, is the main, they're the ones you need to be talking to. It worked out well for us from the aspect. All the inspectors, or the inspector, the main one, I had worked with him for three or four years before that for the other facility. And so it just flowed. So I, I was in contact with him when I, you know, with the plans, what I was doing. You know, is this going to work? Is it not? But yes, uh, the Pennsylvania Department of Ag is, uh, is who you need to talk to for any kind of, and that's where you start regardless. Now, if you start getting to grade A, like fluid milk, well, um, even still, they're your main inspector for that. 
it's just it's a different set of regulations that you have to come under but yeah that's the ones that they are the main uh, yeah that's who we who we talk to and again it's kind of like with my experience where I was working it it uh, we had learned a lot of that before so that definitely saved us a lot of uh, headache I'll say and yeah. saved us some mistakes from you know knowing what you had to do or or uh, that definitely made a difference for us yeah, and then were there any extra steps taken or certifications awarded to you all as you've expanded your market at all? No, not so. Oh, we've done some different um, food safety courses and such like through uh, um, Penn State, but no. As far as any extra certifications, so basically goats are already a niche market. So if you try to, and you're already it's changing somewhat, but there's still definitely a niche market. And so trying to add another niche on top of it, for instance, trying to do organic, it really isn't going to gain you much market share because you're already a niche product. Um, so there's, I haven't seen um, any benefit to, to doing that. Now there's, there was, we checked into doing some uh, animal welfare approved type um certifications but selling through farmers markets it really wouldn't gain us anything from the aspect we're there customers have any questions we can talk to them i don't do every market myself but we do try to rotate around to each market on a regular basis and so if the customers have any questions they can just ask and we've got the answers so it it really you know another stamp or anything on the label isn't really going to gain us anything now, if we were into retail more, it would have a benefit. But for, for what we're doing, there would be no benefit. Yeah, it wouldn't gain us any market share that I can that I can see at this point. Great. Since starting yeah. your this business, what would you say is your greatest success? That we're still here? <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, would that's be. good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It'd be a little hard to say what would be the the greatest. No, I would say that, you know, that we are still in business and still feasible and, and would have a, a path forward. It getting involved, getting into the farmer's markets has been one of the better choices that we have made. You know, that's probably, probably other than the fact that we're still here, that probably would be our, our, our biggest uh, worthwhile endeavor. Um, yeah. I would say getting into that Washington DC market that is right. really amazing. Right, right. Yeah. That's probably been our bigger. That's as much to help us as anything. Yeah, and so then, what is your your greatest challenge that you've run into so far? Definitely marketing. <laughs> um, no, that that um, we definitely. I feel like we could be doing more with that, but I guess with the marketing, trying to. Also balance, you know, the, the keep everything balanced as far as schedule wise. It is a challenge, you know, with the goat dairy, it is, feels like a 24 seven, not quite that bad, but, uh, that is a, so trying to build in some, some flexibility with that, it does help having a two month break from, from milking and processing, but we do try to keep our, our market farmers markets going through that time as well, but it still definitely gives us a little bit of a break. But yeah, just trying to trying to keep trying to keep things balanced would be, and the marketing. I'm not sure which one's the greatest challenge. <laughs> but 
but yeah. between those two, that's uh, probably our two biggest challenges. Okay. Uh, for sure. Yeah. And sure. so during your time with this business, have you utilized any educational information from mentors or industry extension, et cetera, to help start and improve your business? We definitely have. And I, it's, it's, I couldn't list everything that we've, we've done. Um, but I, I'm, I definitely, uh, keep my eye out for any courses or anything like that, that we can do. It can be a little bit of a challenge, especially I'm thinking about this, this, um, food safety, FISMA food safety modernization act that, um, was enacted. I'm not sure how long ago it's been now, but, the implementing of that into small scales operations has been very challenging and it's changed. It's not very exact. And so there's been a lot of food safety courses, day courses, but it's the, the, um, trying to get it scaled down to small scale operators operations is a challenge and, and they haven't, it's just very confusing. And that's, that is, uh, there's some exemptions and some things like that that they're acting out, but we've gone to a lot of training on that. It hasn't necessarily helped us per se, but um, it's we're trying to you know muddle our way through that um, as far as exactly what we have to do, what applies to us, and what doesn't, because a lot of those are it's the rules are for large plants, larger plants, and you know you've got your your uh, standard operating procedures, and then you've got people that go through and, and verify that you're doing it, even people checking that, well, it's kind of a problem whenever it's one individual that's making the cheese and supposed to, that I'm supposed to go through and verify that I did what I said I did and then double verify it when it's all the same individual, you know, when you don't have multiple people in the company to, to, uh, to do that. Yeah. So anyways, all of that to say that it's um, a lot of actually my educational courses that we've done have been related to that. There has been some other uh, oh, uh, different events that we've gone to and enjoy. And probably we get as much out of those events talking to other cheesemakers, other producers, as we do learning from whoever's speaking or whatever. But nonetheless, it's all part of the event. So we, uh, we definitely keep an eye out and try to incorporate as much of that or, and you know, get involved with as much of that as we can. Because there's been quite a few things that we've learned that's been a benefit to us. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So, last question yeah. here: If another producer was exploring the option of starting a value-added dairy goat business, what would be your one piece of advice that you would share with them? Well, it's challenging, but it can be done. the The biggest thing it depends on why you're getting into it. I'm thinking value-added in general. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a matter of trying to save the farm, I'll say, if you're not, if you're not making it with what you're doing, adding another level of complexity is probably not going to fix a problem for sure. Now, if you're doing it to expand without growing, uh, you know, without increasing your number, cow numbers or goat numbers, and you want to bring more family members in, that's a different story that would be a fit if you're trying to bring more family members in and, and have them employed through the farm. But if, if, if it's a matter of trying to save the farm just by 
you're probably not, you know, it's, it's probably not going to work very well. So that would be, you know, knowing, really understanding what you're getting into before you do it would be the biggest piece of the, the advice I would have because it's pretty easy when you look at it say, well, if I could just retail this, this milk and, you know, you look at the retail dollars, like, well, I could really make a lot of money. The challenge is there's a whole lot that goes into that between taking it from the bulk tank to the finished product. There's a lot of steps involved and a lot of, uh, it's not very, it's not just real simple to do that. Um, so having a clear understanding of what you, you know, the more you know about it before you get into it, the better off you'll be for sure. You know, about, there's just a lot of steps, a lot of details and a lot of, uh, a lot of places to, to spin your wheels or lose money or whatever that all of a sudden retail, the retail amount is not near enough to cover all your costs if you're not careful. So just learn, you know, explore and understanding and gain as much information before you take a, before you get involved in the, and the value added is the best thing you can do. Every every uh, every person you can talk to with experience and such like that will make a big difference. Or you know, it's it's just it's it's worth every minute you invest trying to understand what you're trying what you want to get into is worth it. Yes, sure. I 100% agree with that advice. That's really good advice for anyone making a plan for any new business venture. That's right. So thank you so much, Jude, for joining us on Bovine Banter today. And thank you to all of our listeners as well. So don't forget to tune in to Bovine Banter next Tuesday, where Extension Veterinarian Dr. Adrian Berrigan will be discussing considerations and regulations for value-added dairy businesses with Carrie Williams from the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture. Thank you. Thank you.